history in Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. God's going down, God's stepping up. That's what football's all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Today is Saturday, March 26th, and Clemson is undefeated in the NCAA tournament. Uh, guys, welcome back to the podcast here. Um, we got our late late March edition. Uh, Cody joining me this evening. How you doing, buddy? I, I'm great. Aside from this huge, huge lull in uh, Clemson athletics right now, everything's great. March Madness is 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 you know it's been very exciting to say the least. Clemson baseball. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Is is a lot more exciting than I expected. But I guess my question for you is, where the heck have you been? You haven't been on the podcast in two months now, ever since we lost to the uh, in the national championship game. So what, what's been going on in your life? Uh, Cody, as you know, I attended the game and, um, you know, really just been wandering around the greater Phoenix area ever since kind of looking for, for purpose and for an identity. But, um, you didn't come home afterwards, huh? You know, I, I made it home. I'm, we're here <laughs> in the same room now. So, um, I made it back eventually, but, um, uh, you know, those wounds are still healing from that game, but, um, no, it's, uh, in reality, I've kind of taken a, a podcast paternity leave. Um, my wife and I had a baby in November, um, just before the Florida State game, which was awesome. So, um, you know, just kind of spent my last couple months, you know, um, bonding with my son. And, um, you know, it's it's really been good in general to have my Saturdays back. And so, um, you know, kind of been enjoying the off season a little bit. Haven't made it onto the podcast, but it's good to be back. Right. No, it's it's good to have you back. Mm-hmm. And. We're gearing up now. We're, we're getting to that 100-day mark leading into the season. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, two more weeks, we'll have the spring game. I think that's going to be pretty telling for a number of position groups. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But, uh, yeah, it's I'm super excited for football to now be kind of the next big thing um, on our radar now that March Madness is kind of – we've got about 10 days of that left. Um, and then that's the next big collegiate athletics thing. So, right, it's good stuff. Um Seth Beer, I mean, we'll talk about him later. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it go. But, yeah, he is, like, shot in the arm for baseball. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it later. But I know we want to we talk about March Madness first. Um, what, what's your impression of the Elite Eight games? Granted, it's only Saturday. Um, so we missed. We haven't seen the North Carolina, the ACC portion of the, uh, of the <laughs> slate. Yeah. What, what's your take on, um, I guess, Oklahoma, Villanova, and just what you've seen up to this point? Yeah, I mean, I think even even the – to talk about the Sweet 16 a little bit, it's been sort of a tale of two tournaments in these first two weeks, two weekends. Uh, the first weekend was rife with upsets. Um, I think you had a few Cinderella teams um, sort of dazzle dazzle the field, um, but come back to earth a little bit on the, the in the second two in the second round um, with the likes of Stephen F. Austin in Northern Iowa. But um, yeah, like I mean, going back to the games you brought up, really impressed so far with Oklahoma. I think at times, like in January, they look like the best team in the country. And Buddy Heald, can't say enough about his play. He looks like the superstar of this tournament. Um, I know his draft stock is, is rising rapidly. Um, I kind of equate his play to what we saw a few years ago from uh, Kevin Durant. And I know Kevin Durant's Texas team, I think, lost to Gonzaga and Adam Morrison, you know, fluky team back then. But he sort of has shown, you know, the ability to hit a perimeter shot get penetration when he wants, play stellar defense. He's really the total package here. Um, I don't know if he'll be a top two pick like KD was, but I could see him having the type of like initial rookie of the year type run um, that Durant had. So definitely impressed with Oklahoma. Um, I thought that Kansas-Villanova game was also an instant classic. You sort of had some referee shenanigans down the stretch, which hurt Kansas. Uh, but for my money, those were two of the top three, maybe four turn- teams playing all year um, we got that in an elite eight game versus like a final four or a championship final so you know good on us to see that definitely bummed for our friends out there that um, support Kansas you know our, our co-host Ben went to grad school there so condolences to the Jayhawk faithful but um, you know I thought Nova did what it took to win yeah and it's it's good basketball the thing that's been lacking in my opinion across basketball this whole year it was like a, it was a dominant team, Kentucky from last year, Wisconsin, and obviously Duke, who won the championship. I, I don't see any of these teams being great, especially not like in a historical level. They're all, I think any of those teams probably wouldn't beat 
uh, the three teams that I just mentioned, or any of the, any of the, the guys that are left, yep. wouldn't, wouldn't be the top three teams of last year. But at least I'm seeing good basketball. And I feel like it's been lacking in college basketball. I've seen very sloppy, just, I don't know, it's just been a weird year in, in college basketball. But I've, from Villanova, from Kansas, and in Oklahoma, it's the, the style of play, it's, it's the, the level of play is a lot higher, well, in I, my opinion. I agree with you, and I think one of the factors at play here is, for whatever reason, those schools you mentioned do end up having a bunch of upperclassmen playing on their team and filling out their roster. And um, you saw what happened to Kentucky this year, that you know, sort of the one-and-done thing is catching up to them. I guess Calipari also went out to say that his full roster is also declaring for the NBA this year. Um, so they're going to at least test the waters in the draft. So, yeah, these teams that are still sticking in it, they've got a ton of seniors, ton of juniors that have been there a while and seen things, played tournament games. Um, so we're, we're, we're sort of seeing at least the benefit in the college game of um, guys sticking around and having some continuity with their coaching, with their coaches and with their teammates. I'm hopeful that that convinces more guys that are kind of on that bubble that know that maybe if they stick around another year, it might not only improve their draft stock, they might actually be able to make a mark or an impact in the tournament. I'm hopeful this this means we'll have a little bit less organically the the one and dones, which I think hurts the game. And I, I also think it hurts it doesn't hurt, but it's not as great for the NBA either to have a lot of these guys coming in and I mean how many real rookies other you've got for every Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis, how many guys do you have that maybe declare early and just are not ready or sort of are flops for their teams it, it's so many and i've gone back on this over the years ever since i'm you know i'm 28 now and i was in college i i was under the impression that a guy that's 18 is ready you know because he's talented enough a guy like um you know carl anthony towns or anthony davis the guys that you mentioned are yep. talented enough uh this year brandon ingram was talented enough to go to the nba but they're physically, mentally, they're just not ready to play a man's game. And there's a difference between a 25-year-old man, both maturity, physically, mentally. And um, no, going back to the one and dones, uh, I think it's not. And by the way, this is an NBA rule. It's not a college rule. Yeah, it's, it's, absolutely. It's the NBA collective bargaining agreement is what has um, kind of forced the NCAA. And it's, it's been what they've, they've had to, dealt, to deal with it. But um well, as far as the one and done, it's, it really is hurting the game. You're not seeing continuity, the upperclassmen year over year. Like these these teams from most recently, I think of like the North Carolina teams in the, the 2000s that had like seniors across the across the roster. Yeah. And those were like really, really good teams. Uh, a couple Duke teams were, were really good. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you remember those teams. They stick with you. Now it's like every year, quick turnover, in and out. And as a guy that watches Duke, and I know Clemson fans hate that, but I, I follow Duke very closely, always have. The one and duns are, are like pro McDonald's All Americans are overrated because they don't know how to play the game. They they don't do anything to help each other out on the floor. It's very much a uh, you know they're learning to play. They they've always been the best on their high school team, and they try to bring it to the college level. And they don't do anything but make themselves good. But they don't help the teammates to be better either. I think last year Duke went to that level. They showed the world that they could play Calipari's game and win with sort of the one and done type of talent with. Um, Okafor and Winslow. Previous to that, they had Kyrie Irving do the same kind of thing. And those guys, by the way, were very much uh, three guys: Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones, and and Jalil Okafor were very much team oriented. Right. More, and it's just crazy that three of them end up on the same team, and they're so unselfish. And you blend that with a few upperclassmen already in the mix that are your role players. Yeah. So that's like the perfect storm. But it's it. That's more the exception, not the rule. We usually see like a Duke team this year with a few guys that are just they're really good, but they don't know how to play the game. And, you know, I feel like over time, there's a book that's coming out. It's called Prep to Pros. There's another, like, header title for it, but that's basically the... It's the story of kind of the Kevin Garnett to LeBron to um, Kwame Brown. Like, it's a book coming out. I'm going to check out for sure. But it talks about all the guys that went directly from high school to the pros. Um, It also touches on the collective bargaining agreement where they did put the... You've got to be removed from high school for a full 12-month calendar year. Um effectively enabling the one and done phenomenon in college i don't foresee that changing it's it took long enough and enough kind of examples for that to be, to change so going to like a two and done situation you know i just don't know that i see that but um it could be something i've heard proposed sort of like baseball like if you do declare in co- to play in college you have to go for two years uh, versus 
obviously in baseball, you're able to sign right out of high school and go into the minor leagues. I think that would be the perfect fix. Yeah. I really do. I mean, you, you give them the chance to go at 18. I think most people won't because they've seen there's just been a lot more failed careers than successful ones or go play overseas like Brandon Jennings did. Mm-hmm. But declare or, or come to school and at least stay for two years because a lot of times the guys that come for one year like uh, your guy not your guy but Ben Simmons at LSU he dropped out right after he got out of uh, he dropped the out the season yeah, yeah right after the season was over dropped out of, out of school and they don't do anything they hurt the team GPA nothing for like uh, team camaraderie or culture so mm-hmm. two years would be ideal three would be actually would be better but two would be sufficient two would be great and I think for the you know talk about how much of a sham it is but the student athlete aspect for the student part, that way they're actually, you know, taking two years of class. And by then you've got some summers, some winter periods, they can cram extra classes in. Generally, we see our athletes graduate in basically just a hair under three years. You know, that helps them career-wise moving forward if athletics doesn't work out. They're that much closer to attaining a degree at a prestigious institution. I just think it, it, it's a good deal if initially... So I guess what the proposal would be is do away with the mandate of you got to be a year removed from high school so guys can go direct to the league. Or if they do declare for college, you go for two years. Um, to me, that's kind of a fair thing. Like if you think you're ready out of high school, certainly you can go for it. You can forgo college. But if you do decide to make that jump, stick around. Totally agree. I'm, so that would It would help the game a lot. And for Clemson... Uh, we, we're not getting a lot of those recruits anyway, but it is kind of telling that you see uh, some some teams that um, have a lot of senior leadership, and they, they look really good in the tournament. And they, they will, not every time, but less talent will beat a lot of these one-and-done teams, Kentucky Dukes, uh, some North Carolina. Yep. Uh, and But you haven't seen that. Even with upperclassmen, you're not seeing a great deal of continuity, uh, cohesion, and... Anyway, we'll, we'll, we won't spend a whole lot of time on uh, Clemson yeah. basketball. Well, I was just going to ask, with the remainder of the tourney, like, at this point, who do you think is going to take it? Who's your final matchup, and who's taking home the hardware? So you have the ACC bracket on one side. <laughs> ACC tournament, too, coming through. <laughs> yeah, the I, take, I, I like Virginia. I, like, I, I, I would be happy with anyone but the Blue Bloods winning. I don't want North Carolina to win it. I didn't want Kansas to win it. Sorry, Ben. Uh, and I, I would like Villanova. They have a good coach, Jay Wright. I would like Oklahoma. I like uh, Buddy Hield, and uh, and Virginia would be a good candidate. We're gonna we're guaranteed at least one team in the national championship in the ACC. Yeah, in the final for sure. Yeah. Um, I I kind of like Mike Bray. I mean, I think as far as coaching personalities, big strong personalities go, um, he's done a lot with that team this year after losing a lot of or losing Devin Booker and losing um, you know, obviously losing senior talent from last year. Uh, to get get his team back in this position as a sixth seed to play for the Final Four is huge. But uh, I kind of, for a minute, want to play the devil's advocate and say, like, why not Syracuse? They're the 10 seed. A lot of people would say they had no business being in the tournament. I'm sort of inclined to agree with that. But they got in. You got, you know, you wipe all that clean. It's a new slate. It's a new season. Um, and Clemson fans hate Syracuse. Agreed. Absolutely. Mostly they're... Uh, their football, former football coach Scott Schaefer, and just in general their fan base, and then we have to travel there to play yeah, football and games. Yeah, go to their yeah oven of a of a dome to play football. But I mean, I don't know. I just think like you know, it's at this point they're the underdog. Um, they kind of are play with the chip on their shoulder a little bit coming to this tournament. Um, I don't know. I could see where Syracuse might be the popular option. They're and they're a ten seed. Ten seed. Yeah, I, I I like Virginia. Just well coached. You talk yeah, about. Like, I think UVA takes care of business tomorrow, and we're not. Yeah. Doesn't matter with Syracuse, but true. Syri- Virginia kind of reminds me a little bit with the defense, defensive minded, um, a more talented version, probably a better coach version of Clemson. They really do. Like they, they grit. Like just yeah. a lot of grit. Well, and they've got very senior disciplined. talent. You know, yeah. Brogdon's there. Um, Perontes. Perontes. Yeah. Guys, the guy needs a haircut. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. Like, if that's that's basically rich man's Clemson, rich man Brown, Brad Brown out Clemson team. You heard it here. Yeah, and like, look at that. They, I think we, uh, they, we lost to them by like six, and that not a whole like wide uh, spectrum between. Yeah, you know, a team that doesn't make the NIT and a team that's probably bound <laughs> for the Final Four. 
Indeed. It's some seniors sticking around, um, winning out-of-conference games, frankly. And, um, you know, yeah, just better execution. But um, I don't know. I mean, again, we can we could put a put a pin in basketball for now. Who, who um, do you have if you had to pick one team? Yeah, I mean, I think North Carolina looks pretty unstoppable right now. So I like them going down you the You think stretch. they'll win, but who do you want to win? Um, shoot. I'll say I want ACC to be well, well represented and take take home the hardware. So uh, I don't know. I have no love for Notre Dame, but I'll just say Notre Dame. I want them to win. Oh, nice. Mike yeah. Gray, former Duke guy. Mike, Mike uh, Shashevsky guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Just yeah. in general, ACC, get the bucks. Yeah. Well, and that's one, you know, before we go on to the next topic, that's one other thing is we've already set the record for most revenue because you get its approxim- approximation is about $2 million per game per unit, they call, which is a game played by the ACC team. And it, with the success that we've had, it, we're it, like we, 16 and 2. Something like that. Yeah, and it'll go to with all the games that we have left that are guaranteed. It'll be about forty-four million. So forty-four million dollars will now be redistributed across the ACC, and that includes Clemson, which is awesome. Granted, we did nothing to earn that money, but we do so much in football that I think we 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 deserve everything that we get. So you know, some good some good karma. Yeah, that's like two point seven five million, something like that. Per school, we, we, and we—if you've seen our financials lately, like it's not as good as you would think after a national championship run. We we could use a little. That's shot like in the arm. almost all the way to firing Brad Brown out. So <laughs> perfect. Keep going. <laughs> I didn't think about it like that. I thought we'd just give Dabo a raise, but yeah, maybe hey, we just fire Brown out instead. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll find a use for those dollars. But yeah, uh, cool. Well, uh, Cody, let's talk. Let's move on to a sport that's in season right now: um, baseball. I know you've. You've taken up um, looking after this team. Um, unfortunately, I haven't had um, too much exposure to what's been going on, but I keep hearing about this guy named Seth Beer. I think I've said his name twice already. <laughs> we haven't even talked about baseball yet. Yeah. Pretty excited about Seth Beer over there, huh? I, I am, and I, I'm a big bandwagon fan, I'll admit it. Um, I, I don't think I watched but like two games last year, and and you know we do a Clemson podcast, so I should probably be a little <laughs> bit more dedicated. But yeah, I mean... Time zone difference? Time zone difference. Yeah. We're on the West Coast. But, you know, so it's like four o'clock, the game will start. But if you're in a position or a job where you can maybe stream the games off on TigerCast or watch ESPN, then you're in a good spot. So I began to do that. And Seth Beer is... Let's talk about him for a second. You know, there, There's all these articles floating around on TigerNet, Tiger, I think, Illustrated, uh, Shaking the Southland, of, of course. The Deshaun Watson of Clemson baseball, the, and then we've seen like the goat, which I think it's overused. Um, but anyway, he is unbelievable. Like maybe like on pace to be the best Clemson baseball player ever. Only twenty two, I think, games in, but ten home runs, hit another two run uh, homer today. He's he is incredible. He should be playing high school baseball right now as a senior, but also he should be going to the majors or the minor leagues next year. But we have him for. Another year, another half a year, and then two years after that. So, I don't know if, if they're like getting back to you know why you should pay attention. If for no other reason, just watch Seth Beer. Not to mention the team's doing really well. So it's clearly offense, right? I mean, he's an exciting batting cleanup. Um, I mean, that's such that's a nice the, swing too. By the way, just like a very like King Griffey left hand. Not he doesn't right. like King Griffey. Aesthetically but, uh, pleasing swing. Aesthetically pleasing, yeah. yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I think for just from I'm even more of a casual bandwagon. I'm not even a bandwagon fan, actually. I'm just not. I've not plugged in at all to baseball yet this year. Um, but, you know, it's it, there's just such a big difference between ha- when I was in school going to the Clemson games, watching baseball games, hanging out in right field or even going actually going into the game uh, versus watching college baseball on TV or on the crappy stream that we get to have on the West Coast. Um, announcing is not always awesome. So. Um, it's just tough sometimes, but I think that, you know, when you've got exciting players like this and, and Clemson's rattling off like eight, nine, eight, nine game win streaks. Yeah. I mean, it definitely piques your interest and in something that we're under a first year head coach. I think when you're, when you're in the type of situation we were in last year with Jack Leggett kind of winding down his tenure at Clemson, there's a tendency to just be like, you kind of take a look at the standings, you know, third week of March, then halfway through April, you're like, oh, Clemson's like decent. You kind of get in this rut or this routine with these tenured coaches. I think, you know, and 
ultimately that caught up to Jack Leggett, where we just did not show enough progress. He went a few years without making it to Omaha. So um, certainly with expectations coming into this year, Monty Lee coming from College of Charleston was dealing with some of Leggett's players, brought in some of his own guys. We had a lot of pitchers turnover. And from what I can gather, we're way ahead of schedule in terms of what you would expect under a new head coach um, and what, what he could bring. And one thing that probably leads to that, that we might be discounting is we've kept our former assistant coach, like basically Jack Leggett's number two has stayed on. And I think that continuity has definitely helped stabilize the guys that are still in the program um, and kind of keeping the, cl- the quality Clemson baseball culture in place while you do bring in a new motivator, you know, a new head coach. So, Right, and it's a great example of, and it's hard to really understand uh, chemistry and cohesion in baseball because it, it's not, it's it's an individual sport masquerading yeah, as a like team sport. It's not like an O-line right. you know, is there and needs to communicate in or, order to work. Or basketball where you have yeah, to have backside clearly. help and sh- yeah. stuff like that. Um, you do well, you hit, you do really well, and you, you don't make your teammates better, but you make the team better. Anyway, mm-hmm. but I never, I, I've always underestimated chemistry in baseball. I think it's always been overstated, but I'm, I think you're seeing it this year. With well, there's, there's dugout leadership. chemistry, right? There, yeah, leadership in yeah. preparation and, um, you know, I mean, it seems like Clemson's had a couple of comebacks just against Miami the last two days. And, you know, keeping your heads in the game the full time um, to be able to come back on an elite program like Miami on the road, you know, speaks yeah. volumes to what they're doing from a leadership standpoint. Right. And I and just I think from a talent standpoint, that's maybe something I underestimated a little bit, too, because I will say we do have and I, I didn't watch the first game. Probably a good thing because that, that was, you know, walk heartbreaking off loss. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> so anticlimactic uh, punch in the gut right at the end. But um, but this this most recent game, uh, they had four. There was four errors in the in game one, I think four errors in game two. Man. So I will say a ton of talent offensively throughout the lineup. But the uh, the infield looked like a like a circus. It, <laughs> And like defense was an issue last year. the ball around. Yeah, they, they couldn't field a ground a ground ball uh, for to save their life. And, the, and you know what's what stinks is you have these guys that uh, that are hitting like 300, 350. You know, in Seth Beer's case, four hundred plus. And then you have these other guys that are like hitting one fifty, and they're like have the ball bouncing off their feet. Like it's a quick drop off. I think after like Weston Wilson, who's in the six hole, I believe, mm-hmm. to like one you know below the Mendoza line hitters. Yeah. Well, so, and typically, I mean, yeah, you know. I'm a pretty big MLB fan and uh, grew up Cleveland Indians fan. We had Omar Vizquel and he, you know, perennial 14 year gold glove award winner at shortstop and he would bat like 215. But you, there's trade offs there, right? Like if he's turning double plays every inning, you can tolerate him hitting into double plays once in a while. And you know, when he played too, is before a lot of the advanced metrics. Sure. Or like Sim, Angels and Simmons for the Braves, who is hitting 250. But would save an ungodly amount of like yeah, runs. runs. So his his WAR wins yeah. above replacement was like right up there with some of the league leaders. Yep. But they didn't have. But they, it's it's interesting. But they they evaluate what back in those days when Cleveland really could hit. I guess Vizquel's defense was good enough. Exactly. When you know saving some runs basically assured you wins, um, that kind of thing. So anyway, I mean you, I feel like with where we are, if you want to calibrate the baseball team right now and in the course of the season. Um, we've talked about, a little bit about about this with Ben, who's probably among the three of us the most you know engaged with the baseball team. I think I'm like Omaha question mark like is that on on this team's you know possible aspirations for the year? And I think Ben's all year he's kind of tempered our expectations, being like, look, if we can make a regional or a super regional, like that's huge. Um, certainly could not have asked for a better start, but I think this is the point of the year where. Monty Lee is just trying to figure out like what he's got and he's you know it's great to see the wins that we've had so far but this is where we can see what adjustments need to be made maybe we need to explore the depth chart a little bit with the infield defense or with the lineup adjustments to get these guys going and hitting um but you know losing some close ones to Miami on the road top with five a young team. team top five team like yeah it's not the end of the world um those are games probably you'd expect to lose two out of three let's hope you know, we can pick up that that third game tomorrow, right? And there's always small sample size, you know, uh, error, right? And what I what I saw though, it looks like we can match up with Miami very well in terms of talent. It's just there is the element of uh, 
of defense, obviously, and just, you know, like leadership, doing the right things, like making the right plays, executing, runners on, you know, like driving them in. Mm-hmm. And maybe not there yet. Learning, learning to win. You know, that's something that I think during you know, Dabo's era in football, it's like we had a lot of talent. And it took a while. We had to eventually develop this culture of winning, and hopefully, that's the direction we're headed with baseball I mean, if, too. We're if, off to a great start. You can ask for a better start. If anything, it was almost too good. Maybe we got our hopes up a little bit too much now, and we expect to <laughs> make it to Omaha, but we, which we could. But you know, well, and I think that happened with a little bit to flip it back to basketball a little that terrific run through the ACC schedule after the North Carolina game, I think set unrealistic expectations among fans yep. for what the ceiling of the season was. Let's not do that with baseball. Let's recognize who we've got. You know, We're hitting the reset button in a lot of different position groups. Um, Tune in to watch Seth enjoy, enjoy him. Yeah, enjoy these home runs, enjoy these wins, <laughs> and um, have another beer and... Yeah, you there's going to be a, how many puns are, are we going to hear from here to the end of the season? That's right. Seth Beer. So many. Um, I'm having a beer right now. Maybe, uh, <laughs> should we segue that to what we're drinking? Yeah, Boot Amber Ale. That's an uh, Henderson Valley beer out here it's in California. It's up by Mendocino. Mendocino, yeah, yeah. okay. It's I'm drinking beer. a Lagunitas Cappuccino Stout. It's ale brewed with coffee. Crap, I'm going to be up all night. Um did you realize it had I caffeine did not. in it? Well, it's cappuccino. I should have figured. But yeah, it's, I'm yeah. dumb. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, this beer, Lagunitas, brewed up in Petaluma, California, like an hour north of SF. Good stuff. Check it out if you can get it. You have some East Coast beers we'll be bringing on. Yeah, absolutely. Beers sent to us by a podcast subscriber and a good friend um, from Virginia. So we'll get those on next time Ben's on. Very we'll talk cool. Talk about those. Um, well. Good good stuff with baseball. We'll keep track of the team. But some of the things I'd like to explore where we're not just kind of going over box scores and what's what's been going on immediately with the team is like, let's take a look at college baseball and, you know, where Clemson guys ended up in major leagues. We've still got some guys in the league right now. Um, how are they doing? What teams are they on? You know, this season's about to kick off. You know, who should we be looking for? Uh, but also, like, you know, in the state of the MLB, our college players – finding spots on rosters and in staffs more or less now than they were like five years ago. I'd love to take a look at that. Well, um, that's a good, I mean, there was actually Kyle Parker who we all knew. I mean, yep. I don't know. I haven't looked over a whole lot of, the, of uh, who, who's playing in the MLB. He's plays, he plays for the Rockies, a bottom dweller in the, I guess the West and the NL West. Yeah. They're pretty, pretty he, rotten. <laughs> he can't make the team. Like he, I think he's hitting about 300 in AAA, and he's, and he's about 25, 26 now, believe it or not. And uh, he can't stick with the team. I mean, I, I, I don't know what, what's going on. I wish they would just trade him. Maybe the Braves can give him a shot. Or the Indians. <laughs> Indians need some hitting. But uh, I but, think the Braves Braves are in total rebuilding mode, so you never know. By the way, just one, I, I actually, uh, Kyle Parker, I think he, he was a sophomore when I was a senior. But he, it was his year when he was with Spiller, and that was my senior year. Yep. Met him like probably two times just out in like TDs, different bars in Clemson. Super, super nice guy. Like, so down to earth, even though he was the the big man on campus, like, right. quite literally at that time. <laughs> but, yeah, super nice guy. So, yeah, yeah rune for him. Cool. And, uh, yeah, we, we should keep more or uh, keep up with that more. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get back with uh, who's made. I mean, they're, they're announcing cuts basically this week for opening day rosters. So we'll get back to you guys with who, who's made those cuts. I'm sure it'll be published by a blog that we'll steal. You can, yeah, you can also Google search it, too. <laughs> For the lazy out there, we, we got your back here on the podcast. You, just, you, don't, you can't read. You just want to listen. Yeah, tune yeah, in. We got gotcha. um, you. Well, with that, why don't we flip over to football? Um, you know, the meat and potatoes of this podcast and Clemson sports fandom. Um, we are in full swing with spring practice. Like we mentioned, the orange and white game is coming up two, two weeks from today. Is that uh, April 6th, Cody? I think it's the 9th. The 9th? Okay, cool. So. That's like... I always equate it to that's the weekend they play the Masters. So um, looking forward to that game. I think we're going to learn a lot about certain position groups and depth chart stuff. And um, fortunately, this year, it seems like it'll be televised. So that's going to be great. Um, I think yeah, I think ESPN has already announced. They've renovated the, the media booths um, before last season. So that should be good uh, to catch that. But um, I don't know. I mean, you've obviously done some reading related to how spring practice has gone. Uh, any any noteworthy tidbits of late? 
I think, well, this wouldn't be necessarily interesting to a lot of people, but to me, I, I, you really have to read in between the lines at this time of year because the coaches only give you so much. Um, the writers only have so much access. They can't get in. But I, I do pay close attention, and I think there, there are some things that are like starting to stand, or stand out a little bit. And, and, you know, coach, there's a lot of coach speak too. That's a big element of it. But uh, one, Dexter Lawrence, this guy, uh, defensive lineman, give the quick bio or the quick profile, defensive lineman, incoming three, freshman, incoming freshman, five star consensus, number two player. Uh, I don't know if he's consensus, but one of the best players in the country. And, um, he's about three forty six three. He, he moves like a uh, defensive end. He's a defensive tackle. Anyway, every time I've seen an interview where I've uh, read an article about this guy it, or seen a, a player or coach react to him, they just smile and they shake their head because they're so blown away by his talent. This is uh, like Javion Clowney, Daquan Bowers, C.J. Spiller, like a next-level type talent that will, that will change our program for the next three years, in my opinion. And great to hear that a guy that – you know, we certainly hyped up and they got so much attention when we were able to sign him and ultimately on National Signing Day, like secure that. Great to hear that initial reactions are all positive coming through. Um, you know, you really never know what you're going to get. You've got the high school recruiting process and then you get him on campus and sometimes things can change or the attitude doesn't align with the culture of the team. I think here we definitely got someone who's a great fit. And, um, you know, I think for him it was a tough personal choice to pick Clemson over NC State being that he's moving away from his home and away from his family. So, um, you know, great to hear that he's just, you know, fitting in and acclimating. And um, it also obviously awesome to have yet another household name that will define who Clemson's team is, you know, for the next three years, pretty much. Yeah, we say we already, like, put the three-year mark on him. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, you look at him. Yeah, maybe, maybe four. Um, but, no, he's, I mean – it's another advantage that we're going to have. And I, I think I think he's got a little ways to go. I don't think he's completely there yet. Like They talk about his technique, which, I mean, any defensive lineman or offensive High schooler too, coming into a college system. like Yeah, there's stuff to learn. Even right. when, But he moves like a defensive end. Like they asked Brent Venables in an interview if they would move uh, Dex to defensive end. And he's like, oh, we haven't thought about it yet. But just the fact that he's our biggest defensive tackle. He is a, a zero-one technique, Clogger. nose tackle. Yeah, right. That they're talking about moving to defensive end, like like like, like that could be an option. Um, anyway, th- this guy's going to be special. Yeah, uh, a guy that already is special and will for another two years will continue to be special is Christian Wilkins. So another update that I think is very interesting. I mentioned this a long time ago that I think he he will get looks at strong side defensive end, maybe in like uh, first first second down type plays, situational type plays, running uh, plays. But uh, Brent Venables was really surprised. And Brent Venables is easy to read. He doesn't give much. He's horrible in interviews. Um, he's, he, does, he's, he seems super awkward if you ever see him in an interview. But the one thing he was really surprised with how good Wilkins was when he moved to defensive end, like how quick and agile he could be. So he, that's huge because we missed out on Rashawn Gary, a little uncertainty with the defensive ends, lost Dodd, uh, and, and lost into the draft. So mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah, and we, we do have depth. It's depth that, and I, I will look this up for a future, you know, when we get closer to our season preview, just the number of st- snaps and starts that we've, we've lost over the last two years. Um, but we do, you know, we do have depth of talent at the end position, but I think it's something that any time that we can get yet another just stud like Christian Wilkins to be considered there and to alleviate, you know, the... The uh, juniorness or greenness, if you will, of guys like Cleland Farrell and um, Bryant. I think it's um, Cleland Farrell. Cleland. I don't, I don't okay. want you to get blown up on the SCS comment board. <laughs> Cle- we, <laughs> we really need to get to the bottom of these pronunciations, but um, we're doing our best here. But yeah, effectively, I mean, I think let's. It's there's uncertainty there, and Christian Wilkins' skill is about the most certain thing that we know on our on our D line overall, and he's had a year under his belt. I think he's. Um, learned from those, you know, the guys that are, went to the league at this point. So, um, bring it on. So yeah. I say. Well, what uh, I think Marion Hobby, the defensive line coach, said was he's not worried about defensive ends because he he has that much confidence in Austin Bryant, Jurgen, yep, Pharrell, and and maybe Kelly when he gets in as a true freshman. 
But when you can plug in Wilkins and you only have to worry about one guy, like Austin Bryant goes down to an injury, you know, knock on wood, mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not as worried. And that, that's huge. But I, I think it's, it's, it's telling, though, that they're not worried at all. They're, they're worried about injuries. They're worried about that, that depth. But they're not worried at all about it. They, they feel very confident in Jurgen, uh, Bryant, and, and Pharrell, at least those three. Maybe Kelly when he gets in. Well, I think as a fan in general, the defense is the, the group. Well, I'm not going to talk about special teams this, this show, but the defense is the group that has the biggest, the most question marks um, around the roster in terms of depth and who's going to step in. Um, and certainly that was exacerbated when Adrian Baker went down with an ACL. We'll probably get him back at some point this season. Um, we heard September. There's no way he's going to come back 100% and play in September, I don't think. But I'm surprised know. that they, they said we expect him back at like the shortest possible time. Right. Why would they go with the, sh- the f- shortest end of that window? Yeah. Um, for Nacelle. interesting. Right, from Nacelle. Um But in general, I mean, I yeah, I think so. the defense has the most question marks. Um, secondary just calls to mind based on the number of guys that we're sending – into the NFL draft, who we've got to replace. The fact that our D line is is pretty solid, um, and Ben Bulwer's back at linebacker. Um, I think for me, the secondary still has you know the the least clarity um, across the board. What are you seeing, hearing, or reading about the secondary? Yeah, and what was very interesting, very telling was Tankersley. Uh, he had an interview, and I don't think he meant to. And I think I think they put him in a bad position a little bit to throw some of his former teammates under the bus a little bit, but he did. Um, he was very diplomatic about it, but he essentially threw curse and in, in green. I don't think so. I don't think so much McKenzie Alexander, because that guy, he never let up, but he said some guys were focused on the NFL uh, towards the end of the year. That's there. There were a lot of, a lot of chatter in the locker room. That's what they were thinking about. That's what they're talking about. And it, it leaked over to their, uh, the way that they played on, on game day. And, yeah, sure. TJ Green was super talented. He runs a four three forty, but a lot of times he was running the, he was running in the wrong direction. So that's that's actually even worse. And and Curse was I I mean I loved Curse, and I think he I think both of those guys were great players. But it cost us a national championship. And uh, anyhow, so looking at what we have coming back, what I've heard is, um, and we can talk about Tankersley a little bit, but too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Sorry. Yeah, you just got back from a two months, uh, two month trip in the desert. Uh, but uh, so, Van Smith, Van Smith, and Jadar Johnson, two guys that aren't as talented. Uh, Jadar Johnson's a f- fourth year guy, but it's tried and true. He is talented, but he's not like he's not freak athlete. But that doesn't matter. He's gonna make. I think he's gonna make the right decisions on game day. He's not gonna have a lot of blown coverages. Same same for Van Smith. He's he's only a true sophomore now. So that that position group, even though it's it sounds the the national guys will look at the guys who lose like Curse and, and Green, they'll say these guys are going to the NFL. Clemson's going to be bad in the, sec- the secondary. I mean, I think, these guys had. I think it'll be just fun. Yeah, these guys were in games last year. Jadar Johnson had a pick in the Miami game. Um, Van Smith, I think, also had a pick in the Miami. Ever, it was kind of a. He looked really good in that he game. He looked phenomenal in the, in the second half of the Miami. Miami looked like a high school um, team in that game, but he looked good. Correct. Nonetheless, he got a little bit exposed in the North Carolina game, but I think Tank bailed him out with a pick in the red zone there um, against Marquise Williams. That was helpful. But you know, again, Dan Smith was a true freshman, right? And true freshman. Um, yeah. You know, as with a spring and a fall practice and a full full off season coming in, taking first team reps um, with our secondary coaches. You know, going directly under their wings, I think that's going to be incredibly helpful for his development. And I, I actually think for Jadar Johnson also, um, knowing that he can be the man here, you know, can can also help him. I mean, didn't we see that with, um, gosh, thinking of Robert Smith? Robert Smith, where he was sort of the journeyman on the team and, and in his final year kind of stepped, stepped into that role and kind of became who we always wanted him to be. Um, yeah. Or maybe Gary Peters. I Sorry, don't know, it actually was Gary Peters. Was Gary Peters. <laughs> cool story, bro. Anyway, uh, Jadar Johnson is. You could compare him a little bit to Robert Smith because he, in terms of, like, he he is more talented than Robert Smith. But he's a guy that's going to make the right plays. He's going to be the right place at the right time. He's not going to blow coverages. And then uh, and Van Smith, like again, you, you get a lot of coach speak, but you're getting a lot of talk on, on Van Smith right now. Like coaches, Venables. He'll tell you. He, he, he talked about Mark Fields. He's inconsistent. That's what he said. 
Van Smith, he's like, no, nah, I like Van Smith. I'm, yeah, I'm very, I feel solid. very good about him. So if you want, if you want a true read uh, from the coaches, go to Venables. He'll, he'll, as awkward as the interview is, uh, he'll, he'll give you some real good stuff. And speaking of, so the cornerback position opposite Tank will probably be most likely Mark Fields, uh, the way it's looking right now. And dude's super talented, yeah, but inconsistent. Apparently, not a big like film guy, like not, not putting in the work. You know, you're talking about 18, 19 year old kid. Maybe he'll maybe he'll get it together. But he's got Mac Alexander level like talent in terms yeah. of his. Seems physical. like you could take a page from Mac's work ethic and sort of preparation right. playbook. I wonder why that doesn't leak over. Like you, you got Mac Alexander, who's they're they're about the same size and stature, similar athleticism. Like Mac's like hardcore in the in the room in the study room, just watching film. And now he's going to be a first-round pick, and hopefully that leaks over and resonates with Mark Fields a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you also have DeAndre McDaniel um, and the coaching staff coming back through. Hopefully that that influence will help Mark Fields in the starting. Now that he's a starter, like maybe he can take that leap forward from a discipline standpoint. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, you know, defense, it sounds like still some developmental stuff. Things are going to shake out in the depth chart. Um, certainly they will see our cadre of quarterbacks coming in and attacking them downfield in the spring game. So let's see how these guys hold up. Um, what are you hearing on the offensive side of the ball? Any kind of news and updates? I think we're all pretty aware of, you know, who the, what the pecking orders look like at the different, different position groups there. Um, any, any noteworthy stuff you've read um, coming out of the offense? The only thing I think that's noteworthy is the running back position. But I will say this. I think you don't hear a lot about how great this offense will be. They're, everyone is very much on the hey, let's be humble, let's be have humility, let's don't jinx it. <laughs> but this is going to be a stupid offense. I mean, just eight starters getting back or returning. You're talking about Mike Williams replacing Sean Peake, so that's an upgrade at it's wide receiver. A ninth starter, right? I mean, right. your two offensive linemen that are that are being plugged in are probably going to be better than the ones they're replacing. It's it's going to be just it's stupid. Anyway. So, but that, but they're not. But they've been very humble. You know, we got we got to work hard. We got to put in the hard work. Blah blah blah. Good for them. Championship caliber. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, but the one thing anyway that has stood out that we talked about last year was the mediocrity at running back when Gallman ended up being a stud. But now you have Adam Choice who is looking really good, and Tyshawn Dye. They're saying he looks as good as he's looked since he came into the program. And I've always loved Tyshawn Dye. He was a four star guy. And yep. Was, I, he was supposed to be the guy instead of Wayne Gallman. He was supposed to be what Wayne Gallman was last year. But uh, Achilles Hill injury, that's horrible for a running back. And he, he's been held back, but they've seen he looks really good. So you're talking about three really potentially really good running backs, and then you have Feaster coming in in the, in the, uh, in the summer. Yeah, and it's one of those where Feaster just gives you a completely different look than the other three. Um, we'll see where his – was it an ankle injury? Coming uh, in? Shoulder. shoulder. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know why I thought ankle. Um. But so, yeah, we'll see if the shoulder injury limits his reps in spring practice and into the fall practice as well. Uh, or I, I don't I, I, I have to imagine we're not going to be in a medical red shirt situation with him throughout the course of the year. Uh, too, too good. Of, too good of a weapon. I'm sure promises have been made also in his recruiting. So it'll be great to add him to the mix and yet another weapon. I think so. I think more of like a specialty guy at the very least, but he can he can be a guy out of the backfield like Zach Brooks. He, he's a re, he can be a receiver, and I don't think you really have that with Choice, Die, or Gallman. Mm-hmm. Some issues with like pass protection. How's he going to do in a in a college you know scheme now? And it's going to be a really fast paced. But yeah, you're right. Too talented of a guy to, to redshirt, even if it's just situational plays. He'll he'll uh, he'll remind everyone a little bit of Spiller. Sweet. Well, um, I imagine Deshaun probably won't get too many looks in the spring game coming up, but it will be nice to figure out the um, the backup quarterback situation and get that pecking order sorted out. Uh, what What's your expectation at this point? That's a good question. I haven't seen any articles. So again, I'm, I'm having to synthesize a lot of this. Is that the word synthesize? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm taking like what I what I hear and I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, synthesize it. Anyway. Still it back to us. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I haven't heard anything positive uh, on Kelly Bryant. Okay. I've heard... Developmentally and... Yeah. I've okay. heard, yeah, he, he looks good. So does Schusler. That means nothing. That means right. absolutely nothing. If Kelly Bryant really did look good, 
it would be Kelly Bryant looks like Deshaun Watson's heir apparent, but he's not, and that looks that that's concerning a little bit. So what I'm saying is huge, huge drop off uh, right now. I think if we if Deshaun Watson were is, to go down, is Zarek Cooper on campus yet? Or not he, yet. He'll not be yet. in okay. the summer. Okay, so he wasn't an early yeah. enrollee. Not um, sure. Not sure how quick he'll be able to pick up. I don't know if he's like DW level. Uh, of course. Yeah. Not expecting that um, immediately for a brand new true freshman. But he but, could be the guy though. He could be the next yeah, man up. Certainly. Um, but he's not in the spring practice like rotation at yeah. this point. Any murmurings about Tucker Israel? <laughs> I think no. Okay. <laughs> I like the guy. I think he's gonna be good, but I don't. I don't know if it's gonna be at Clemson. Right. Prove me wrong, Tucker. Prove me wrong. Totally. Um, certainly, the the line behind him is starting to form. So um, that could. I mean, you're right. I mean, he's a guy that he needs a little bit of time back in the pocket. I mean, maybe he's your pocket passer with a good offensive line, but yeah, I think you need that dual threat guy. Seemed to work out for us the past couple of years. Yeah, well, and, and that's why I think they want Kelly Bryant to just take over that number two spot. They want because they want that dual threat. And I don't even know how much Derek Cooper is a dual threat. Um, he's more actually of a pocket passer than a dual threat. Right. So um, anyhow, so I, I think they want to see him take over and, and just be the you know overtake Schuessler, but he hasn't. It's concerning a little bit. Yeah, well, let's see how those two plus Tucker is real fair in the spring game. Um, Love a full recap there, but uh, yeah, in general, I mean, all signs are good, pointing to a successful offensive unit this year. Uh, we're not getting too much on the special teams front. I don't know. I don't believe that they do kick returns or punts. So they did do them, and they're. Tr- I think you got to tread lightly with that. I know the importance of it, but you got to be careful. Yeah, it with injuries. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But they they are doing they are doing like. Uh, in the in the scrimmage they had, I think on Wednesday, like all out special teams. Yeah, Tanner Muse, keep keep an eye out from that guy. <laughs> He's gonna be good. Special teams, all all American. We'll take it. Um, and certainly, I mean, we have complete depth at a lot of different position groups, mostly offensively. Um, so we'll see if those playmakers can get uh, get into the the return game at all this year. Right, yeah, I think I think Ray McLeod that in that alone he'll be a good candidate there. Um, I'm more worried about just giving not giving up points Coverage. as much as yeah. like, but you know that's a huge part of it. You play a team like Alabama, every yard counts. So offense and defense matter in terms of like on special teams. So right, um, but yeah, that's it. it. There hasn't been anything too sexy I can say up to this point through spring practice, and you have to take everything with a grain of salt. But I will say. Dabo made the proclamation last year that the offensive line would be better than they've ever been or that they've been in 10 years, and he was right about that. Um, what was the other one? He had another uh, – Hunter Renfro, and and Ben just kind of rode the coattails of what Dabo said. He said typical, Hunter Renfro typical. is going to be a player for us. Typical. The, the walk-on is going to be a player for us, and sure enough. <laughs> Indeed. So this year, special teams is Dabo's proclamation. He hasn't. No, he hasn't made one yet. Okay, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for him to make a proclamation. Let's he hope has, it is. He hasn't made one. We'll see. They are. They are paying special attention to special teams. About two Quite months too that. late, but mm-hmm. oh well. Great. Well, uh, any before we wrap on football, any recruiting notes? Last couple of weeks. Do we need to get QT on? I don't think so. I think not quite be, yet. We'll we, we always need to get QT on, but I don't think this would be the best use of his time. It's 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 a lull in recruiting right yeah. now. There's a lot of 2018 stuff going on. I will say we're focused like in the distant future right now because we have locked up a lot of our 2017 class already. We've already talked about Cordarian Richardson running back. We talked about um, um, William. Basically, the state of Tennessee is coming to Clemson right now. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's a good thing. It's I, We're being very selective at this point. We have a lot of offers out that aren't, what's the word, committable. Sure. But it's, so we're, we are at a position where we can be very selective. Whereas in years past, we take a three-star guy because the offer's on the table. I, I mean, right now it's a good thing. We're not letting Burning any hand. Just, yeah. yeah. We're not letting any three-star guys leak in. Like there's, we're putting ourselves in a good position. And at the end, I think it'll, it will be potentially exciting because we'll have guys like Rashawn Gary on the board that we will... You know, as we're making the playoff, hopefully, you know, you make a run and a guy. Yeah, you, yep. that speaks volumes. Two playoffs in a row, you can go after the Rashawn Garys of the world. So that's right. Cool. Um, well, keep us posted on recruiting, please. 
Um, I guess to wrap this up tonight, just we mentioned it earlier, a lot of exciting stuff happening with basketball in general. And um, I mean, I wanted to talk about, I mean, we're, we're seeing some history being made out here on the West Coast with the Golden State Warriors. Um, they've got 10 games left in the regular season, so they play 82 in the NBA. Uh, they need to go 8-2 and two to break the Bulls record from 95-96 of 72 wins. Uh, so I guess that means they're, what, at 63 wins right now? So, um, yeah. no, 65, I believe. So they need to go 8-2 and two to finish up with 73. So what do you think, Cody? I mean, is this the best basketball team you've ever seen? And kind of what, what makes the Warriors must-see TV, even for a non-NBA fan? Yeah, if you're not watching the Warriors, if you like basketball, you should be watching the Warriors. It, even it, even without that, I think if you like exciting, if you like sports, yeah, if you like sports, if you like if you understand the value and beauty of a team game just being played against other you know pros at the top of their game, where they just look, they make the other team look silly. By the way, can I say one thing? Because I know we have a lot of people, and I've heard it. Though no one, no one in the NBA plays defense. That's bullshit. Like you're stupid. You're like you're stuck in 1999. That, if you say, that was like you, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, people yeah. in the NBA play defense, and they they do a really good job of it. They play really hard. It's tough to play an 82 game schedule. They they play defense, and they get and they get really with the advanced metrics. They get uh, judged on it, and then they get paid off of it. So they play defense. So anyway, going back to what you're saying, you're, you're talking about guys playing at the highest level teamwork everything embodying everything that you want in sports or just life just like togetherness cohesion mm-hmm. um a, 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 a sum is greater than the what is it the, what's the saying the sum is greater than the whole of its parts right and that's true with this team i mean it's so clear for me not just being out here being exposed to the warriors all the time but i grew up in cleveland i'm a big Cavs fan and it's a train wreck right now. Just culturally, there it's just a juxtaposed deal with the Warriors. They do not have it figured out. They're not all on the same page. It's not a brotherhood. They're not even. They're worth less than the sum of their parts. You know, it's both revenue wise and talent wise. It's why basketball is so beautiful, or it's such a special game, is because it, it if it were played on paper, like baseball yeah, is, like talent rises to the top in in the NBA. Typically, in the finals, you get the best two teams and. The best team wins it every given year. There are very few like, whereas in Major League Baseball, you get all you got to do is get into the playoffs, and you never know what can happen. You have a couple of good. You, get the Mets, you have an ace, or right? you have two aces. Totally, and um, it's just going to be a very interesting end run of the season, not just regular season, but the playoffs. And I guess I'm imploring those of you that don't typically look look to the NBA for your entertainment, or you think that they're, you know, they don't play defense, or it's not as exciting as college. We're in a heyday and a renaissance for the NBA right now that rivals what was going on in the early 90s with Barkley, the end of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson's career. You've got Michael Jordan really at the peak of his game. You know, I think we're back in that era um, right now with what's going on with the Warriors. You got the Spurs that Tim Duncan, like, I don't know, just in general, the Spurs, they. They've taken a backseat uh, to the Warriors, but what they're what they're doing is historically good too. In terms of, like you said, uh, just playing the basketball the way it's like free flowing. Warriors passing. have seven losses. The Spurs have eleven. Like we're not talking about. They're not like they're not like a major step back behind. Both are undefeated at home. Correct. Have like, not lost to get, like just watch that. They, mm-hmm. If it goes seven games, if they played in the Western Conference Finals, star power in the league is really high. You've got a lot of exciting young guys that. I mean, go watch, like, a, a Trailblazers game. Like, Damian Lillard's doing crazy stuff on any given night, scoring, like, 65 points. Um, and for, I mean, Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets are pretty solid. I'm not, They're not going to make too much noise. The Hawks actually could could come out of the East, like, you know, beware. But mm-hmm. um, some, you know, more local teams to our, you know, podcast people. But yep. uh, you're yeah. right. NBA is so, solid right now. Um, there's a lot of... A lot of craziness that always happens in the off seasons. I think that's that was kicked off back in the day with LeBron leaving Cleveland, and every year it seems to be like you know who are the big names that are going to be moving around. There's going to be a lot of that this year too. Um, so yeah, it's just a really interesting time in the NBA. That even if again, like you should watch the Warriors if you don't watch anybody else, but um, it might be worth these last couple of weeks figure out what team you're going to root for in the playoffs. 
Yeah, and if even if you're you know someone that checks in at the end during the playoffs, which I used to do that a lot, then it's you couldn't be a better time because where's the Spurs, uh, the Thunder? Yeah, who everyone thought they were going to be the next dynasty because they do have two, you know, I guess arguably top five players, Russell Westbrook and and Kevin Durant. Again, two two guys that are really good players, but really good team players. Like played really hard on defense. And anyway, anyhow, so. You have them, and, and then you look at the, the East, which is like really just aside from the Cavs, it's kind of dysfunctional, but it's so amazing how good the Cavs are on paper, but just haven't been able to put every, nothing has come to fruition. Yeah. There's a lot of drama happening there that, you know, it's, it's exciting maybe for a different reason. You watch the West because that's where the best basketball is being played, and the best teams are doing their thing, and it's like the Clash of the Titans. In the East, it's a little bit like can these upstart kind of also ran teams upset the team that should on paper run away with it the Cavs um, how do you feel how do you feel about Miami possibly beating the Cavs I mean what's interesting Miami actually they're sort of like the Cavs light in terms of they've got a lot of veteran guys superstars you know they've got Dwayne Wade Chris Bosh and um, Joe Johnson but then they've got a couple of other guys that are kind of like future Future stars. They have, in, still have Gorgon and Dragic. Right? Yeah, they have Dragic and Whiteside, who are like you know younger future stars. So I mean that to me is going to be a really. I really hope they don't face off in the playoffs and that the Heat get taken down by like Boston or somebody else. Um, but you know, there's the backstory with LeBron going on there. This undercurrent that he and Dwayne Wade are boys. I mean, I think D Wade is totally the alpha dog and kind of orders LeBron around actually. So we'll do you, see how that do you orders LeBron. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, who came to play with whom? Well in twenty ten. Come on. You're from Cleveland. If I'm if you're in Miami and you're Dwayne Wade, you're not going to play with LeBron in Cleveland. You're not packing up Miami and, and you've already won a championship as the alpha dog there to go to play in Cleveland as a sidekick. No, it's that fair, but horrible. I mean LeBron could have gone anywhere. And I think he chose he could have been the man in New York, Cleveland still. Chicago, it could have been. Could have gone to Chicago. It would have been there with Derrick Rose. So that would have been... Anyway. Uh, yeah, Miami kind of scares the crap out of me. None of the other teams really do, to be honest. Um, I might eat those words later on. But, you know, people talk about Toronto, Indiana, even Boston. I think they're all, they're all kind of flawed and not deep enough to stop Cleveland's offense. Um, LeBron's going to be... He's going to take over yeah and, and, and he can a one-man show yeah and, and the one the team that um i don't even know if they're gonna make the playoffs is detroit the detroit pistons might get that eight seed and stan van gundy back in 2009 was the head coach of the magic and they upset the Cavs with crazy good three-point shooting and rebounding from D- dwight howard they basically have replicated that team they've got andre drummond playing the big man and they've got incredible three-point shooters up and down their roster. That's the type of team that scares the crap out of me as a Cavs fan, where they can just strong-arm our bigs, hit threes, and stymie our offense, and there you go. I hate to say this, but <laughs> it seems like LeBron LeBron has really uh, had an unfair hand in terms of his championship appearances from the time he willed the Cavs uh, there in 07 to play the Spurs and they got swept. The buzzsaw. Yep. Uh, the one time it wasn't unfair was in Miami where they lost to the Mavs when they were uh, they should have beat the Mavs. But then you know the most recently this uh, last year uh, where they Kyrie were just, and Kevin Love got hurt. Yeah, and they yeah. were completely outmanned. And he played like the best player in the world. It wasn't even close. And Stephen Curry was on that same court with him, and he was by far the best player. But so and that's not fair to say LeBron lost another championship. But it's shaken out to look like it might happen again. Like he's probably going to come out of the East and lose to the Warriors or the Spurs. Yeah, I mean, that's if you're betting right now, you should predict that, that outcome. But are you rooting for like a Curry ankle injury? I mean, it's, that's your best hope in my <laughs> I do have a I do have a Curry voodoo doll that, you know, I hold over, the, over my gas stove every now and then, stick pins in. But mostly his ankles, I imagine. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I want to beat. The warrior. I want the Cavs to be the Warriors at full strength. I want, a, want, I want a Cleveland victory no matter what. But you know, ultimately, 
you want their best so they can't use excuses. And I'm sure Cavs fans use excuses for why the Warriors beat them. But, yeah, um, you know. So, maybe putting a loop on it. <laughs> Historically good basketball going on, mostly on the West Coast. If you like basketball, if you like sports, the Spurs and the Warriors, incredible to watch. Yeah. and There's uh, some of the best players of all time playing right now. Some of them in their prime. Some of them, not every night they're not playing in their prime. But, you know, they're putting up incredible performances. I mean, it's Kobe Bryant's last two weeks, you know, of his career. Say what you will about Kobe. He had an incredible NBA tenure. So Kobe was know, amazing. He was, for sure. Not, not, a, not a great product on the court right now, you know, the Lakers. But yeah. um, I don't know. It's a, it's a cool time in the NBA. Of course, we got baseball starting, but don't yeah. sleep on basketball. So, we, it, obviously, Clemson Sports. I mean, this is a Clemson podcast, so... Yeah, the spring game coming up, and we're excited about that. But in between Seth beer at bats right now, if you want to tune into an NBA playoff game, that's probably the way to go. Absolutely. Um, cool. Well, uh, looks like you got to walk the dog, Cody. Yeah, my dog is a little restless right now. Great. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, good to be back on the podcast. Knock off the rust here. We will be back at some point soon probably before the spring game and certainly after um, to recap what we saw, what we know about the team um, as, as they break for the fall. But um, thanks for tuning in guys. Tell a friend, you know where to find us online and uh, stay tuned for more podcast goodness in the off season. Thanks very much and go Tigers.